The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. And I'm Andre Corbett. Kami Kami Kuzinka. Yeah, I had uh, Dr. Kuzinka this whole semester for communication theory, and uh, she's very engaging. Very, loves to show her st- engage with the students on positive you know relevant things to the course and uh, I just wanted to talk to her and see if she got to that point find out what she does research wise and how she got to the point of teaching I thought it was definitely great to uh, get her with a sit down awesome and also um, after that after the break we'll discuss the outbreak of the norovirus at NC State we're going to talk about finals and also we're going to talk about Keaton Jones some of you may have heard of him Go viral this past weekend. So keep it locked here on 88.1 Hello and welcome to WKNC 88.1's I'm the Triangle. This is Andre Corbett here. And today we have a new segment called Know Thy Pack Professor. And today I'm here with... Cami Kuzenko. That's Dr. Cami Kuzenko to you layman's out there, just like me. And uh, she's going to be telling us a little bit about herself today. So the first question I want to start out with, Dr. Kuzenko, is... Who is Dr. Kami Kuzinko in five words or less? Oh, that requires counting, and I'm a communication professor, and counting is not our strength. But that's I why I'm say, in this major. Uh, she's does that count as two? No, I'll count as one. She's weird, but nice, smart. You heard it. She's weird, but nice, smart. I'd, I'd go with that description. I'd go with that for me, too. Sounds pretty similar to me. Are there any words that you feel are more important to describe you than any other words? Um, I think weird is probably pretty appropriate. Uh, I am naturally weird, and rather than fight my natural instincts, I just roll with it. Well, as you should. I mean, that's what college is about. Instead of going to college, you actually work here. So you're you're around that kind of uh, sense of independence and kind of instead of you get to be yourself every day. 
Whereas, you know, people feel like they only have a few years, which they can actually do that anytime they want to. People just choose to conform to the social standard of, hey, this is what's considered the norm, or this is what's considered uh, socially appropriate, which I'm kind of against that in the first place. Yeah, I, a lot of times I have trouble judging what's socially appropriate, so that, that plays into it as well. Yeah, but that is, you have, that's, at that point, you have to have fun with it, though. Yep, exactly. Those expectations. So uh, my next question is, why didn't you include furry in that list? A furry in yeah. that list? Uh, because I'm not technically a furry. That's a misconception about me. Uh, people who know me know that I like to wear costumes quite a bit. Oftentimes, I lean more towards the woodland creature costumes than the sex sexy maid type costumes <laughs> they have uh, those? and because of my tendency to wear costumes like lion or ocelot or cougar i get classified as a furry who for the lay person is a person who likes to have sex in animal costumes uh. i think i also get brought up with respect to furries because i teach the sexual communication class so i am very well acquainted with what furries are and what they do but I, um, for better or worse, am not part of that group. So you heard it. There is a difference between furries and those of that ilk. You can't establish one group as a whole, as a general norm. It's true. For that. So um, you did tell us, and you know, I am one of your students, or I was, I guess today was the last day technically. You did mention that you're a mother. Um, how, does, how does being a mom and being a part of uh, some, someone's better half, how does that change you as a person? As a person, uh, well... Or does it? I think in some ways it does. It's made me more compassionate, uh, especially to people who also have children. Yeah. And I think it makes me even more concerned about how my students are faring in my classes because mm -hmm. it's a very solid reminder that uh, all my students are someone's children um, or someone's family members. Right. Uh, so being as mindful of my students' needs as possible is something that being a mother uh, brought out in me even more so than was already the case. Um, being someone's better half, uh, it, it helps me in my work in that I yeah. have somebody to talk to about what's going on yeah. at work. Um, but I'm not sure it's really changed me. I would like to think that I'm not a different person now that I have someone um, that I am relationally committed to yeah i mean that's that's how i kind of see it myself i mean because you notice you ask a lot of questions about your students because you try to get to know them like what's their backgrounds a lot of professors might actually just go into the situation um maybe to get to know their names get to know students a little bit but you try to go in depth like hey what are your experiences like growing up what is your favorite food what's what are you afraid of what's your greatest embarrassment things like that mm -hmm. um and i do believe in the whole aspect of with relationships as far as being independent you know not being seen as not being seen as part of a whole not, not being lost not losing my identity in the sense of being a whole yeah. you know that like, here's me and here's the other person that doesn't mean i'm losing who i am yeah. but um how do you find time between how do you find time for yourself between you know your research teaching family obligations what and what do you do to occupy that time when you do get time to yourself uh, that's a good question uh being a professor means being good at time management because you have a lot of free time more so than you do in other occupations and for some um, that's giving them enough rope to hang themselves essentially <laughs> uh, so you can have so much free time that you squander it all and aren't productive 
but if you're able to manage your time effectively, then you're able to get all those things done and have it all. So you can um, be good in the classroom, have a productive research career, and still have a life outside of work. Um, for me, doing that uh, a lot of times requires meeting multiple goals with the different tasks that I'm asked to perform. So mm -hmm. trying to get my research and my teaching to align uh, such that they're not two separate piles of work that I have to attend to, but instead there's more overlap between the two. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing that I'm able to do. Um, uh, another thing is I don't sleep very much, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> makes it be easier to get yeah. all the things done in a day that you need to. Uh, so that's why I will return emails at like three o'clock in the morning because I'm inexplicably awake. Um, but when I do have free time to myself, I try to spend it uh, with my kids, you know, doing the whole parenting thing. That is kind and of important, not, I suppose. Uh, doing that, and I do have my own time, uh, I really like to fish and shop. You like to fish. Where do you like to go fishing at? I'm partial to Bond uh, Lake and Bond Park. Uh, they do a good job of stocking fish, so it's like <laughs> fishing in a barrel. Um, yeah. You rarely leave empty-handed, uh, but I'm fine if I go out and fish and don't catch a fish. It's the act of fishing that's relaxing and comforting. So you don't actually catch the fish to take them home? You, you throw them back? Most of the time. Then okay. one morning I did wake up and decide I was going to catch dinner for the night. So I went <laughs> and I caught dinner and brought it home and forced my partner to do the, the dirty work and kill the fish. But mostly they go so you heard it, Dr. Kuzinko, a woman of many talents, including fishing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she's caught more fish than I have in my life. I guarantee that. Um, now, I don't pretend to be intimately familiar with who you are as a person, uh, but from what I'm, what I'm gathered, you're not fond of being categorized or labeled as what society thinks that you should be. Uh, would you call that defiance or common sense in that you should be the one to define yourself and not others defining who you are? Uh, I think I... I don't like to be defined, but I think it's unavoidable, and you can't help how other people classify or categorize you. Uh, I think I'm trying just to live a life that's as authentic as possible to myself and mm -hmm. my uh, interests and concerns. And um, one of the things that dictates most of my actions is, above all else, I just kind of want to entertain myself. So I have less yeah. interest in how other people think of me and more interest in just keeping myself interested in what's going on around me. Yeah, and you kind of have to do that, though. I mean, when you have, when you look at not just expectations of defining yourself in a societal context as far as you being an individual, mm -hmm. you look at it in like, okay, this is what you're expected to be as a woman, as a wife, mm -hmm. as, a, as a spouse, as a mother. All those expectations come crashing down on you. And I think to try to, take time and say, yeah, this is what you're trying to label me as, but here's what I see myself that's more important. I think that's the most important aspect of all of that. That's kind of kind of how you maintain yourself, almost in the relational aspect, where you can kind of say, you know, it doesn't matter how you see me, it's how I see myself. Yeah, uh, and know that how other people see you is going to affect things like opportunities you're given and how they mm -hmm. treat you, but uh, what is within your control is your own behavior. Yeah. And so you can control that. You can't control how other people make sense of their behavior or um, think of you. Yeah. Now, you've been with NC State since 2008, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And uh, you've been published in various journals. You've taken a particular interest in your research when it comes to sexual communication. Uh, also, its place in uh, preventative measures for things like HIV. Why did you choose to focus on this, and what was the moment where you decided that you needed to contribute to this conversation? That's another great question. Uh, when I was in graduate school, I was working on the side as a caregiver in a hospice that was focused on people living with HIV AIDS. So during the year and a half that I worked at the hospice, I watched over 60 individuals die of HIV AIDS. And so it was hard to go from the hospice to the classroom uh, without being reminded of the reality of the health situation in America. So it felt like I had to use what I was learning to try to better um, the situation, particularly regarding HIV AIDS. And I was really encouraged by the fact that the research literature suggests that the best predictor of whether or not somebody is going to use condoms uh, to protect themselves mm. is how well or how confident or comfortable they are uh, communicating about sex. So communication uh, just happened to be uh, <laughs> one of the, the key solutions uh, to the HIV AIDS epidemic. Right. And so it was a situation where it all gelled nicely and I was able to uh, take what I was studying it and apply it to the very real world um, issues that I was seeing on a daily basis. So it's easy to say, it's easy to ask you, have you incorporated that into your personal life? Mm -hmm. But what about friends, family? Do they come to you for advice on how should I, there's something that I'm worried about. How do I discuss it with you or with this person? Like, do they come to you for advice often about things pertaining to sexual communication? You know, no, I, I haven't had friends or family do that, but mm -hmm. I do get a lot of students who mm -hmm. come to me with all kinds of questions uh, regarding sexual communication. I think um, probably uh, older individuals uh, in established relationships uh, have certain uh, built-in patterns of communication that they're reluctant to change. So asking for advice would imply that you see a problem that is in need of changing or addressing in your relationship. So I'm thinking that's probably why people that I know well haven't asked me that. Mm -hmm. They're already in a marital relationship. Uh, not that you know what we talk about in sexual communication doesn't apply to them. But yeah. That's probably why I don't questions from those particular groups yeah absolutely i also noticed that you want to relay information about the communication methods of those with stigmatized identities mm -hmm. um do you feel that it's important for you to give a voice to the voiceless or is it more about understanding than crusading uh i would have to say it's more about understanding than crusading as much mm -hmm. as i would like to help um give voice to the voiceless, I think it's more important to help them find their voice mm -hmm. rather than to be the mouthpiece for a group that's been traditionally silenced. Mm -hmm. So I am interested in understanding the communication practices of groups to which I don't belong. Uh, and uh, I'm particularly interested in groups who experience challenges because of their identity. So mm -hmm. that would be any type of group that is mistreated or stigmatized, as you said. And I'm more interested in understanding what their experience is like and trying to make that known to the rest of the world than mm -hmm. I am in trying to speak for that stigmatized group. Yeah. And one of those groups might involve uh, transgendered people. Mm -hmm. um, 
being that the current climate as it is, how do you think, do you think, do they feel more empowered given the current climate where, you know, we see a lot of, uh, how should I say, anti-LGBT kind of uh, mentalities kind of growing out there with people? Um, what? How do you think that affects them as far as wanting to speak up for themselves? How do they have a voice if they're being told that they're a mistake or they're not correct in the head? Well, I think we have a lot of good representations now in mm -hmm. the media of uh, transgender individuals who are uh, using their voice. Mm -hmm. And so it helps to see other people who are empowered to speak up and to become involved in the political process. We've mm -hmm. seen um, some of our first transgender individuals elected to public office. So I can't help but think that that will encourage other individuals to uh, raise their voice and come forward when they notice issues of mistreatment or stigma. Uh, I think that there is also a uh, growing interest in and understanding of the transgender community that mm -hmm. we lacked in the past. Uh, so what, whatever you think of Caitlyn Jenner, um, the, the main consequence is that more people know about transgenderism now than mm. they did before uh, she uh, became a, a public figure associated with transgenderism. So I think that we can't help but uh, hope that we'll see more and more visibility in that community, mm -hmm. more and more vocality. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm definitely a fan of hopefully seeing more social change, more social mm -hmm. acceptance on all aspects, not just the LGBT spectrum, but, you yes. know, the racial spectrum, societal spectrum, gender roles, things like that. Um, I don't think they're getting, you know, I, I don't, I think we're a little bit for, I mean, I can't say because I don't know the whole spectrum of history, but I would assume at this point we're kind of far behind on progressing in those, in those ideas than we should be. Uh, <laughs> what, what, where we should be is, yeah. is uh, up for grabs as far as your personal preference or uh, instincts go. But yeah, we still have a lot of progress to be made in terms of gender, in terms of gender identity, in terms of race and ethnicity. There's a lot of progress to be made and luckily communication, uh, scholars and students can be at the forefront of that. Yeah. Now, what's one issue that you don't think gets enough attention? Race. Uh, it's difficult to talk about. Yeah. So it's something that, although is incredibly um, important to understand and to talk about how to talk about, uh, yeah. oftentimes uh, we're all just too scared to do it that we don't even start the conversation. Yeah, and it seems like with all the tension we have out there now, the dialogue seems to shift towards oh, you're making a generalization about me mm -hmm. or your claim isn't real because you're just whining. You're not, you don't have a real claim to it. So it's hard to get to that conversation where you can actually say, well, this is what you do that hurts me or that makes me feel less than. And, you know, this is what they get. And then other people can say, you know, this is how you generalize me as, you know, hating everybody. And that's how it makes me feel. It makes me want to just not be sympathetic to your plights. So, I mean, um, I definitely think it's probably more one-sided, as we can see, you know, when people are getting hit by cars and stuff. But um, I, I definitely agree. It's definitely a very hair-trigger word. And sometimes you can kind of feel it on campus, uh, the kind of tension there. Because, I mean, more often than not, you see more liberal students expressing their liberalism and stuff like that, too. Mm -hmm. But the more conservative students don't really say anything. And I think we need them to come out so we can know who they are, so we can have that, kind of, that dialogue. You know, not instead of them feeling like, okay, well, you're wrong just because you're conservative. 
Now, speaking of uh, stigmatized identities, like we talked about before, what are your thoughts, or what can you say without getting in trouble, about all of these celebrities making headlines for their involvement in assault scandals? Do you think that there's enough emphasis on the victims as opposed to the perpetrators? No, that's another great question. I think uh, the discourse right now is very much focused on the perpetrators and not on um, the women who have been um, assaulted, though there have been um, some men who have come forward, particularly uh, with respect to Kevin Spacey's actions. Uh, but I, I think too many of the articles I've read have been focused on the men and what they did and how they're acting in the aftermath of being exposed and whether or not their apology is sufficient. And the question is about whether or not they can be redeemed and not about uh, how uh, we can further empower women to come forward or how we can help women uh, or anyone who's been victimized uh, recover and start to rebuild in the aftermath of this. So uh, there was a really excellent uh, op-ed written by Amber Tamlin, an actress in Hollywood that was published in the New York Times, where she did an excellent job of articulating uh, how the current discourse is not giving enough t attention to the victims. Mm -hmm. And what role do you think the media should play in covering this kind of these kind of stories? Like, what do you think they could improve on outside of just the forces and the victims? Do you think that do you think there's some kind of ethical obligation to focus more on the victims than you know the perpetrators for ratings? I think it's probably uh, partly due to that, but also partly due to protecting the anonymity of the the person who reported the assaults right. or the harassment. So it's hard to talk about the victim's experience when they're also trying to conceal the identity of the victim and not go too much into depth uh, regarding what happened uh, if there is, in fact, a trial um, in afterwards. So I think uh, journalists are in a bit of a predicament in terms of how much they can rep represent the victim's mm -hmm. side of things. Uh, however, I think there can be um, more emphasis placed on the victim's perspective, cert certainly in the framing of the article. For example, talking about um, women being victimized by, uh, or men being victimized by a celebrity and putting the person who is victimized kind of first in the sentence mm -hmm. and talking about the perpetrator last forefronting the experience of the victim rather than yeah. the perpetrator. So there are subtle things that can be done to remind readers that, hey, there is a real person here who was subject to this victimization. Right. Uh, the articles do a better job of humanizing almost the perpetrator than the victim, and we need to uh, change that. Yeah, I think there's kind of the, the culture of desensitization where... We look at like violence. We get so used to it that it becomes meaningless. Like the the mass shooting back in October, nobody talks about it anymore. It's December. Almost five hundred people were either injured or killed, and we don't talk about it. And the same thing happens now with the uh, rape culture and sexual assault culture. So many women are coming forward. It's just another part of normal life. You know, it's just people stop eventually talking about it and wait for the next one. And that's kind of it's a little bit sad, you know. Um, now, what do you hope that your kids, you know, or even your students take away from you? Take away from me? Mm -hmm. uh, well, it kind of depends on the class I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. um, so for communication theory, mostly I want students to leave uh, and 
see theory in their own lives. Mm -hmm. I'm not all that concerned that you remember all the different theories and the aspects of them. But I do hope that when you see something that happens on television or happens in your workplace or in your home, that it reminds you of the theories that we covered in class, um, that you start to see theory in action. Uh, as far as my sexual communication class goes, really what I'm trying to accomplish there is, a, a, in effect, desensitization. I'm trying to make talking about sex so mundane and secondhand <laughs> that students will leave the classroom feeling free to talk about sex in their own lives. Uh, so depending on the class, I have different goals I'm hoping to accomplish. Uh, mainly, I hope my students understand that I see communication as vitally important and hope that uh, we can use what we know about communication to better all of our communication styles and skills. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's no better place, really, than to discuss that on a college campus where, well, realistically, you know, people are exploring their sexuality prior to that, but it really kind of comes in bloom during the college years. And how they what they learn now can they can take with them for the rest of their lives and teach their kids and so on and so forth i think if we open up the conversation like you're saying we're giving the next generation a chance to understand a little bit better instead of coming across things where they feel uncomfortable or they make they think it's a bad thing mm -hmm. um so you're uh you use a lot of pop culture references with your classes of course so we'll play a, a small game just okay. to wrap up um so you're going to tell me where the the movie where this reference comes from okay so by Felicia. It has something to do with Beyonce. Her Lemonade album? No. Nope. The, it came from uh, the movie Friday, where Ice Cube, the rapper who played uh, Craig, really? yep, he had a, uh, there's this neighborhood woman who was always asking for something, and so he's like, she walks up to him, and he's like, bye, Felicia. He automatically dismisses her. Oh, I didn't know that reference. Oh, yeah, go uh, go to YouTube and check I it out. Another one is, uh, what is this, a Center for Rents? A center for what? A center for ants. Ants? Yeah. Like the bug? Yeah. Mm, no, I don't know that. That's Zoolander. Oh, That's yes. a terrible impression anyway. I have a Ben Stiller phobia. I really hate Ben Stiller. <laughs> so if it is a Ben Stiller movie, I probably haven't seen it. How about I Have the Power? Is that He-Man? Yes, it is. Mm. And uh, let's just do uh, one more. What's in the box? What's uh, in the box? Seven. Oh, you've seen seven. Okay. My respect for you has greatly... Oh, it's already up there. Remember <laughs> the threshold just now. Now, the last thing I want to wrap up with is, what are you working on now? What can people expect from you in the future, whether that's you know faculty, staff, other researchers, students? What can they expect from you in the future? Uh, I tend to study whatever interests me at the time, so that means sometimes I'm all over the place. Uh, so I have a lot of stuff going on right now. I'm working on a book on the communication issues associated with infertility. I'm also doing a series of studies looking at how uh, issues related to child safety are represented in the media. So I'm interested in how car seat safety and safe sleep is represented and uh, whether or not we're seeing uh, the appropriate way to use car seats modeled for us in the media or not. Um, the literature suggests that over 80% of all car seats are installed incorrectly. So that... Well, 80%? Yeah, wow. that, that knowledge of how to install car seats coming from somewhere, and you might be learning it incorrectly by watching the media. So that's one of the things that I'm looking at as well. 
All right. So uh, definitely very interesting uh, perspective from Dr. Kami Kozinko. Um, trust me, if you take it, if you haven't taken one of her classes, uh, please do look her up on my pack portal. Uh, definitely great professor. Definitely knows how to relate to the students, and you'll definitely take away a lot from her courses. So um, other than that, um, yeah, be on the lookout for. I don't think you're teaching anything next semester, are you? Uh, not on the undergraduate level, but in, in the fall, I'll be teaching our Introduction to Communication Theory course again, and then next spring in 2019, I'll be teaching Sexual Communication, open to all undergrads. Alrighty. So uh, I want to thank you so much for being here, Dr. Kami Kozinko. Uh, I call her Dr. K. So thank you so much for your time here. Great yeah. perspective. And uh, definitely one of the best professors here. You heard it here on WKNC's Eye on the Triangle. One of the best professors. This is Andre Corbett, and uh, I'll see you guys next time. Hello, you are listening to Eye on the Triangle on 88.1 WKNC HD1 Raleigh. I'm Marissa Jordan. And I am Andre Corbett. So we're just going to start you off, as promised, with a quick uh, rundown of an unfortunate issue here at NC State. Apparently, uh, this, since this Tuesday, December 5th, several students have uh, reported experiencing gastrointestinal, I cannot say that, gastrointestinal illness. Yes, there we go. <laughs> I can't speak today, apparently. Um, and apparently this was stemming from Alexander Hall, which is on main campus, for those of you listening that don't know, pretty close to Tally, so maybe stay away from that area if you even come to NC State. Um yeah, so you want to take are it away. We sh- I mean, are we sure that it's not just a severe case of overdose on Taco Bell? Something <laughs> like that. So. Honestly, at NC State, I would not be surprised. I mean, it, sound- it sounds very similar. But uh, let's let you guys know to give you some signs that uh, it is norovirus. Just be aware that it is a very contagious uh, virus that causes stomach pain, nausea, and diarrhea. Um, generally, more information you guys can find about it is going to be for the CDC- on the CDC website. That's uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, you also get some tips on how to pre- how to prevent it from spreading as well. Um, at the present, we've got about sixty students on campus who uh, who've been showing norovirus symptoms. Most of the students, like she was saying, you know, lives they live in Alexander Hall, but we do have additional cases of students that have received a handful of other. Um, we do have other students who have been suffering from this norovirus that live on campus and off. So yeah, just. Be careful in these streets with that uh, gastrointestinal diseases and such. Yeah, wash your hands, especially like, you know, it's exam time. Like I was ex- I was sick my first exam period, not with norovirus, luckily, just a really bad cold. And it sucked. So, you know, stay stay safe and healthy out there, everybody. Also, avoid various programming like American Idol. So you don't get confused as to whether you have norovirus or not or just other trash shows like that. <laughs> but um. With the uh, norovirus, you know, if you're exhibiting symptoms and you do feel ill, um, like we said, be sure to wash your hands. That's most important to preventing any disease. I know you don't want to hear that. Okay, we know, wash your hands, da da da. But a lot of you people don't actually wash your hands because I don't hear any sinks going off in the bathrooms. So protect yourself and wash your hands. Uh, don't prepare food. If you're feeling sick, don't prepare food for other people. Don't serve food to others. And also to make sure you get some good sleep, you know, and get some good. Uh, Make sure you stay hydrated. It's very important when you're feeling under the weather. Get that sleep, which I know you guys have to do. And also be sure to keep your mouths worked with aqua stuff. Yeah, and I think that's probably one reason a lot of these students were able to catch this so quickly. Is like we're all tired. We're worn down from studying for like physics, chemistry, English, whatever you have this week. Um, You've probably written like 17 papers by this point. 
Maybe you're partying on top of that, you know, it's just wearing down your immune system. It's not good. No, I mean, it's it's never good. But, you know, if you take care of yourself, then you're taking care of everything else. Right. So everything kind of falls into place. So I mean, outside of the neurovirus, just once again, be careful with that. Um, university housekeeping staff, they've increased cleaning operations in the affected area. It's going to keep you guys safe. Make sure that uh, there's no, uh, <laughs> it doesn't get spread too easily around there. Ugh, that's <laughs> all I got to say. That kind of sounds like actually we got, that was actual audio of how the people <laughs> sound, of how the students sound. Just And thank you, university housekeeping, because, you know, that's no small task. And also, I'm sure it's not a fun task. So, you know, you guys are the real heroes today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to get paid for cleaning up somebody's puke that's not alcohol related for once, it's got to be, you know, it's it's got to be something to get through. But, you know, we definitely appreciate you guys, and you guys are the real unsung heroes of the university. So I'll always say hello to anybody, any staff member I see, whether you're in a classroom or, or you know, whether you're blowing leaves, I'll say hello to you and just say thank you for what you're doing for the school because you guys really make everything function really well. And just a last note on this, any students who are presenting symptoms should remain in their rooms and on-campus students should contact their RA. Students experiencing persistent severe vomiting or diarrhea should go to student health care, a personal health care provider, or emergency health care facilities. Students who are not sick should go about their normal routines. I guess that goes without saying. But anyway, um, to segue into our next topic, uh, since we were talking about exams, we're going to talk about exams. Um, take it away. Now with exams, uh, I don't know about you guys, but it's been uh, definitely a very trying experience, especially with some of you guys like me have multiple jobs and you're trying to study for exams and everything too. Um, the best thing that I could say, I mean, I'm by no, I'm by no means an expert. Just, you know, make sure you use your time management skills well. I know it sucks to say that and you're like, yeah, I know I'm going to wait to the last minute anyways, but in order to get those grades you want, just talk to your professors about anything you're not clear on. Go over all the stuff in, in, in your class, whatever they told you to study for, and just be prepared. I mean, that's the best way to go into the finals is just being prepared, having a lot of sleep, making sure you're eating breakfast, you know, eating well, and then everything like that. You know, give yourself the chance to, to win, you know. And I'd say, um, here's what I do during exam week, and I'd, I'd say it's been fairly effective for me so far. It's like you want to start, start ahead on your studying. You don't want to be doing it in the last, you know, day before the final especially if it's something really hard like personally for me physics was really hard so I started studying a week before the final do a little bit every day makes it a little more manageable also you want to make sure you're uh, taking breaks like not two hour breaks every time you study 30 minutes but you know if you don't want to be like my good friend and I won't name her but she freshman year bless her heart she studied 36 hours straight basically for our chem 101 final that was intense. Like she, you know, she's awesome. She did well, but like, geez, take a break, everybody. Please, for both your sanity and the sanity of those around you, so you're not overly stressing out about this stuff. I mean, you should definitely take finals seriously. I mean, it's only your future after all. I mean, your GPA. But outside of that, you know, just make sure you're taking all the steps. That way, at the end of, the, I mean, do you really want to say you didn't do everything you could have to get the best grade possible? I mean, as I've heard. GPA is forever. Don't forget that. Just kidding. It's actually not that important. <laughs> it is, but it's not. You heard it. Go out and fill all your classes. Just don't come looking for me <laughs> afterward. Okay. So after that, that was our personal advice on exams. Uh, we're going to talk about Keaton Jones. Now, Andre, would you like to take that 
away? Yeah, absolutely. You know, over the weekend, I did see this video that's been going viral around all social media. Uh, you know, your Facebooks. I know you're like, oh, he's so old. He still uses Facebook. You know, your Twitters, your your Instagrams. Um, and Keaton Jones has been this kid that's been whose who video went viral because he spoke on getting bullied. You know, his mom recorded him, uh, his experiences. You know, with him saying that um, he had milk poured on him and he had ham. You know, put down his shirt. He was called ugly. He was called. He said nobody likes him. And uh, it's really got a lot of support stemming from him. He's got a lot of support around him now. Everybody from the far end of the internet have been coming out to support him. You have celebrities coming out, inviting him to movie premieres, to different uh, concerts that they're having. You have celebrities inviting him. You have athletes inviting him to football games, uh, baseball games later on, you know, and, and basketball games, things like that. And there's people showing this kid support. And that's that's what I like to see about it. And I just wanted to hit, hit touch on it for a minute because uh, – I do think it's very inspiring, and we all need to. I think it's a message for us all to be kinder to each other. I mean, yeah, we're in a politically tough climate right now, but again, you know, when we can kind of join together and rally around a kid who doesn't think much of himself, I think it should be a lesson for all of us. I mean, oh yeah, I mean, I literally was just shown this video today. It was really inspiring. Um, uh, you could go out and uh, find it on YouTube if you want to. Um, I would suggest it personally. Um, I think just in general, because, you know, a lot of us were bullied growing up. It's just good to see this change in the world, especially maybe if it's not the kids themselves at this point. But, you know, this message will trickle down to them eventually. And, you know, um, I think about my little brother a lot because, you know, he's 10. He's growing up basically in a completely different generation than me. Um, There's going to be social like he's going to have social media and, you know, all this stuff like at a younger age. And it's just so much easier for kids to bully with social media and especially like you know instagram's been said to be like the worst um like social media for your um self-esteem yeah self-esteem because everyone looks so perfect there and you know my little brother you know he might not be the the ideal that he wants at whatever point in his life and i can i can see how that would be you know hard and it's good to have these positive messages for kids yeah you know i'm six foot three so i don't get bullied anymore but when I was a kid, you know, I was, I, I got bullied all the time, you know. I was this chubby little kid who always got picked up for whatever reason. And I kind of, I relate to Keaton in that capacity. That's why it touched me so much to see this kid hurting so much from his peers, putting him through that much, through through all that, this whole situation. Because you, you often wonder, you know, what's happening to me? What's, what did I do to them? And oftentimes the answer is nothing. You do anything. It's just these are kids who are unhappy with their own lives. So they feel the need to make you just as unhappy with uh, with your life as they are with theirs. And um, again, now there's been a new controversy kind of coming up now where people are saying, oh, well, there's pictures of the mom holding up a Confederate flag and her family holding up a Confederate flag, whatever. I mean, really, it's not it's a non-issue, I think. That's a whole other conversation. I mean, this kid is not his mom. Uh, the conversation should remain around this kid and what he's going through as opposed to whatever the mom may or may not have done. And it doesn't really matter to me at this point because, again, the focus should be on the kid. And I mean, if you watch this video, this kid is, he's so emotional, you know, no kid should go through that. No kid should feel bad about the way they look, the way they dress, you know, how much money they do or don't have. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to think that, you know, kids are vicious. They really are, especially in middle school. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, if you want to talk about 
I mean, you can't talk about me personally like that, I guess. But if you want to talk about my money, sure, I'm broke as a joke. So, <laughs> yeah, if you want to hit me there, go for it. It's different when you're you're little. Now, now we all make uh, self-deprecating jokes about our our stages of brokenness in college because it's it's just a fact. Yeah, but I mean, what kind of potential do I have? I'm broke and I'm ugly, so I got to kind of work through both of that. If nothing else, I got to get rich. That's my one goal. Okay, I got to get rich to compensate for everything else. That's why we're here at NC State. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you know, Keaton Jones, he's a, he's a brave kid. I, I mean, there's no way in heck that he's listening to this, but on the off chance somehow gets out to him, which it, it won't. Uh, we support you, kid. I mean, you're, 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 a great little, you're a great little guy, you know. Don't let them get you down. You're, you're a fantastic kid. you got all the potential in the world. Um, people get to know you and know who you are. They'll respect you and love you for yourself. So be true to yourself, man. It gets, it gets better. Those same kids that were bullying me when I was a kid, they now live in the trailer with their parents still. So... I mean, and I'm here at NC State being ugly and broke. So it's it's a little bit of a trade-off, but a little bit more for me. So. Yeah, so that's our positive message for everyone today. Yeah, so as we move on. So that about does it for this week's show. Thanks for joining us on this fantastic Monday evening. Assuming that you've been listening to this live, if you're catching our Wednesday rebroadcast, good morning and good day. We hope you enjoyed the show. As always, if there's anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. Our intro music for today's show and every other show was Connie by L1011. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week right here on WKNC. I'd like to thank our contributors, which were us today, and the rest of our staff uh, here at Eye on the Triangle. And uh, be sure to catch us again next week on Monday from 7 to 8. Uh, and on our Wednesday, 7 to 8 a.m., 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. rerun slot. And, yes, we will be trying to continue the show uh, during the winter break. Uh, sadly, we might have some technical issues, so we're going to like we're gonna work on it. Um, if you check our social media, I'll keep you updated. Um, but at the moment, we are planning to keep this time slot um, until next semester. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Andre Corbett. And one more thing before we go for the day. Um, if you guys love comedy, if you're interested in things like that, uh, there's a great show coming up this weekend. I think you guys would all enjoy it if, you want, if you'd like to go. Um, it's called uh, Aaliyah's Fourth Annual Comedy Birthday Bash. You got different comedians, local, local comedians such as Black Rose, uh, definitely great comedian, Aaliyah, Pablo, Tyrone. It's December 16th. It's uh, $15 in advance, $20 at the door. It's going to take place at Joe's Comedy Corner, 2102 Angier Avenue, Durham, North Carolina. Uh, the doors open at 8, showtime's at 9 o'clock. So if you, if you love great comedy, if you love local comedy, these are some definitely great acts. So if you're interested, go out and check it out. Uh, yeah, we forgot to do our, uh, we usually do um, community calendar. We forgot to do that today. But yeah, we like to keep you updated on cool things happening in the Triangle, but you can check out our website because I will update it there too. All right. So once again, I'm Andre Corbett and uh, I'm Marissa Jordan. Thanks again for listening in. You know the drill. Stay tuned for your usual programming of amazing indie music. And we'll see you all next time. <laughs>